Welcome to Live at the Nupa, episode 11. You're here with JB. The 1-1, one, one, uh, David Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now, hey, today we're going to be talking about WTF is going on with the global economy. Uh, and then maybe locally at home, yeah. given we just had an OCR announcement, and you'd have to say the Reserve Bank sounded a little bit dovish. Yeah, yeah. So a few hours ago, um, whenever you listen to this, we, we are about an hour out of the OCR announcement, and the Reserve Bank uh, held the OCR at 5.5. The interesting thing here is it's actually the first window where they've been able to change the OCR that they haven't since August 2021. So 23 months since they last didn't raise the OCR. Wow. That's a lot of hikes, isn't it? You know, yeah, well, 12 well, of them. 12 I'll tell you what, we're all feeling it. <laughs> wow, we're feeling it, but there's more to come. I did a bit of work this week that sort of showed New Zealand households, this is Reserve Bank data, but New Zealand mortgage holders are paying 5%, no, 5.1% right now yep. at the end of July forecast, and yep. that's going to rise to whatever the mortgage rates are when people reprice their fixed rate loan. You know, based on today's fixed rates, that could be almost 7%. 7%. Yeah. So, you know, we're less than halfway, or we're just over halfway through the tightening cycle for households. So, hey, back to the Reserve Bank statement. What You, you mentioned dovish. What, what do you say there? Well, I guess consumer spending is down. Um, it's been down in, I guess, a volume sense for a while. Yes. But, but now we're seeing it translate through into total dollar spending. So we're spending well, right? more. We go to the Reserve Bank, we spend more, but we get less for our pay for what we spend yeah 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 so that's yep it's been like that for a while yep. and now so that's less demand on the economy then less goods and services the price is higher but the demand is lower so that's sort of yeah. so that's that's not so good i mean clearly the construction sector is in a pretty material slowdown and i think i'm seeing evidence of that flowing through into construction prices which are coming back yep um you know, business confidence isn't high. Business forecast on capital expenditure and uh, on you know and on investment has uh, has declined significantly. Um, you know, there's a lot there's a lot going on that that tells us that the economy is slowing quite quickly. I was talking to mates uh, in various businesses uh, last week, and um, they're all feeling it. You know, it was, it was really surprising how quickly that changed because I catch up with these guys every month and a couple of months ago they were all like, woohoo, you know, it's, it's still going strong. And I, I, was, I was thinking, oh man, I wish I was in your industry, you know, <laughs> because mortgages has been weak for a while. And, um, and then coming back and catching up with them this month, it was ju- I was just surprised by how quickly the tone had changed. Mm-hmm. And, and look, the Reserve Bank is really active in getting out there talking to businesses, so they would have been getting that exact same feedback. Hey, so playing back, I've got the statement the Reserve Bank had, and you know, it's full of dovishness. So here are, here are some words. Global inflation rates continue to decline. Normalization of industries, international supply chains, decline in shipping costs and energy prices, Weaker global global growth leading to lower export prices for New Zealand. Inflation expected to continue to decline, and with it, inflation expectations. Declining capacity constraints. Um, labour market pressures dissipating. Vacancies declining. Residential construction, as you said, activities declined. Businesses reporting slower demand. Weak investment intentions. Man, that <laughs> sounds quite serious. 
it's like when do they ease is almost the question yeah, isn't it yeah then you just put on all the bloody rain we've had this summer and you know it's pretty depressing down in this part of the world at the moment luckily the all blacks won last weekend they better win against the spring box otherwise we're in serious trouble um <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, yeah. that used to be about negative two percent to economic growth, didn't it? I think we've got used to the odd, the odd loss lately, but it used yeah. to be. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let alone America's cup losses. Yeah, yeah but you know, it's, it's it is fascinating. And then you put a, a a broader global perspective on it, and I think China's a really interesting piece for me. And it has been for years. You know, I I, I I've been sort of commenting on China for years, really, um, kind of expecting something to happen there, but it never really happens. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk over the last couple of years about, uh, you know, the residential property market over there being, you know, totally mispriced uh, mm. and potentially collapsing. There were a number of Chinese builders that um, yeah. were defaulting on bonds yeah. and You stuff. had that huge company, was it Evo something, Evo yeah. Green or something? Evo Green yeah. or... Yeah. yeah, massive, you know, hundreds mm. of billions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, but you know, China always seems to hold it together. Um, the the thing that I think is really fascinating at the moment, and this sort of, uh, I guess, leads into some of the stuff you're talking about with the RBNZ, is um, the scary thing over there is I've got no inflation, and uh, you know, the the word now is deflation. Yeah, yeah. They've got producer price deflation. In other words, you know, the prices manufacturers are getting. I think I saw minus four point something percent. So production prices down. Now that must flow through the global economy too, because if I'm a New Zealand buyer for the warehouse in China, mm. the price is probably lower than it would have been three months ago. And shipping costs are down yeah, significantly. Yeah, yeah. They're um, way lower than they were pre-COVID now, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, so you've got much lower shipping costs. Uh, you've, got these, you've got this pro- producer deflation, which is perhaps a combination of things. One is that you typically get uh, that off the back um, of uh, shock, and um, you know, because bear in mind that there was this massive demand shock that a lot of businesses have fronted into and built capacity to serve, and then that demand shock's come away, but it but it's more than come away, right? It, it hasn't just sort of come back to normal because we're in a, a global environment where interest rates are increasing, consumer spending's under pressure, so you you kind of had this spike, and then it's mm. it's been ripped away. Mm. And so now you've got oversupply, yep. and uh, and the risk with oversupply is deflation. And mm. the risk with the deflation is you've seen it in China at the moment, but you're going to see that flow into commodity prices as well. Mm. Mm. So oversupply in simple terms means there are more sellers than buyers, and yeah. so the equilibrium has to restore, so prices drop. So we've seen that in the housing market over the last... 18, 24 months as as there were fewer buyers, interest mm. rates too high, so high, you know, didn't 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 couldn't afford it or held back, yeah. thinking the price might be lower tomorrow. So we're actually probably coming into equilibrium um, pretty much now, I suspect, in house prices. It's it's very close. But what you're saying is in other markets like commodities and yeah. and manufactured goods, imports and all that, there's there's potentially that, you know, oversupply out of China, prices will fall a bit. So that will gradually flow into the global economy, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, and particularly into Australia uh, and, uh, you know, into, into commodity-based economies. Mm. Um, but, you know, and especially because what typically happens is, you know, um, you get a bit of a lag effect because China stockpiles. Mm. So, you know, stockpiling raw resources and commodities uh, that feed into, into their supply chains. And, um, 
you know, so so what you'll see is um, you're going to see a, a big drop off uh, in commodity demand coming out of China, and I think that's going to put downward pressure on mm. lots of different yeah. commodity prices. Yeah. Hey. So that said, a lot of wage inflation in New Zealand now. It I has guess been. I guess my perspective there's certainly been a lot in the public sector. I think, and that's been very visible through but they you know, needed teachers it, right? on strike and all let, that. Let, let's be honest. I mean, you know, the worst payer in New Zealand is the government. Yeah, yeah, I mean the private sector pays way better than the government does. The, the, it's an abuse of power. The government, the government <laughs> abuses its position to underpay its own people. Hmm, hmm. Um, whether it's nurses, you teachers, know, police, I the army. We're right off topic, but I reckon there's an argument that the reason for that is unions, because unions force uniformity. And guess what? We're not all created equal in terms of our ability. And therefore, why should we all be paid the same to do the same role if one's brilliant at it and one's not good at it? And I, I saw it in, in, in collective bargaining when I was in banking that you know you can't pay your rock stars any different from you pay your poor performers you know so what do you do well you you, you lose your high performers and they come and work at some like squirrel <laughs> <laughs> and your poor performers are left or ultimately sort of get get managed out and the only solution we had was to appoint people as managers so they came off the collective employment agreement now i reckon that happens right across um government you know teachers you know even police, uh, nurses, um, you know, doctors, all that sort of sort of stuff. So anyway, that's a bit of a <laughs> yeah, wander we, off to we the we side. But, topic, but but I think we're in agreement. Um, I was talking to someone the other day that said, you know, as a teacher, they can go and earn thirty thousand dollars more in Australia tomorrow and have far better conditions. Yeah. So you know, I think uh, that's something Paul Davy touched on the other week when we had the. We're talking about doctors Australia. and nurses. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, wage inflation. Um, uh, and I, but I guess if you stand back, that's contributed to reclosing the gap created by inflation. So inflate prices went up 7%, so now I'm paid 7% more so I, so I can afford it. I guess it's the future path of that wage inflation that matters. And with uh, um, more immigration, you know, less jobs pressure in terms of difficulty of finding employees, that is likely to dissipate quite quickly as inflation comes down. Yeah, and interestingly, a friend of mine that's uh, in uh, immigration, the saying that's uh -huh. come off the boil quite fast. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, we had, I think today we had an, um, uh, what do you call them, um, immigration numbers sort of come out, and so they're, they're coming off the boil is what those numbers mm. say. You know, still big numbers, you know, 70 odd thousand annualised, but um, coming down off the peak. So I think the insight from that report was that actually there's lots of people leaving. <laughs> so yeah. as the borders are open, we're all settling down and so on. There's a lot of Kiwis heading overseas. Maybe it's the younger ones for the OE or people that have been here for a while, you know, going back home. I also so, think there's been a, a massive shift in employer um, expectations and investment into the future, which is actually reducing the amount of demand for labour. What do you mean by that? Um, so people, I, 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 I think businesses are fronting into a recessionary environment okay. and pulling yeah. projects. Right, yeah, yeah. So investment intentions are dropping away, which is actually something the Reserve Bank mentioned, weak investment intentions, yeah. Yeah, and I think and, it's playing out quite fast. And I guess another sort of factor is, I mean, this is a long-term sort of thing, but that shortage of labour has encouraged lots of businesses to focus on productivity using technology. I was um, watching a video of a company called Halter, which is actually over the road from us here at Squirrel in Sale Street in Auckland. 
and they put a halter around cows' necks and it basically moves the cows around the paddocks, you know, increases the size of the feed paddock based on, I don't know, how much the cow's eating. It tells them when the cow's on heat, so really, so they get their milk in two weeks earlier than these non-technology. It tells them when, um, if there's any illness or anything like that. So, you know, so the farmer sits there, <laughs> stands there with his mobile phone. Um, the only thing I guess he's still got to do is put the suction cups on the udders. But apart from that, you know, good example though, a product of technology driving productivity. And that's been one of New Zealand's issues, eh? You know, we've used people as opposed to technology to drive efficiency. So, you know, things like that will be an outcome from the tight labour market, even if, you know, investment intentions are down. We're all sort of thinking about how we can use technology. Well, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, I think that was always a risk um, in the last couple of years of high wage inflation, mm, mm. low levels of productivity, uh, is that businesses were getting heavily incentivized to push harder on technology. Yeah. And, and I think it's very true. Mm. Um, you know, so many businesses out there now are, are, are looking at automation and how to take out, you know, I guess, non-skilled labour out of their businesses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, AI is the buzzword, but if you sort of, you know, what Holt is doing, that's, you know, that's sort of technology, AI sort of thing. You know, the the, the platform learns how to do sort of things. You know, I, one I love is uh, John Deere tractors, where they have a tractor rather than a driver. You know, harvesting the wheat the tractor drives itself 24-7, doesn't complain, you know, doesn't take a lunch break, doesn't have to stop to go to the loo. And if anything goes wrong, like it breaks down, then the John Deere um, calls contact centre gets a message and, you know, either resolves it digitally from wherever they are, Houston or whatever, you know, a thousand miles away, or, or sends a technician out. And if something unusual happens in the field, there's someone wandering around, the tractor knows that they're there and doesn't sort of <laughs> shred them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, but yeah, great examples of technology. But, you know, there's still plenty of jobs for people, I think. Yeah, so, so interesting times, right? I, I mean, mm. I guess if, if I was to look at it, you know, all up, it, it certainly feels that we're going into a much weaker global economy. Yeah. And, um, and I think China's really interesting at the moment. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's a very export-driven economy that, uh, you know, I think is going to sort of, is going to be a leading indicator of a, you know, reasonably serious global recession. Um, we shouldn't be too afraid of recessions. It's like, you know, they happen. Mm, mm. Um, and, and New Zealand typically, my, my experience is that New Zealand typically fares quite well in mm. recessions and, and the reason it does is that we're not a rock star economy like we like to think we are occasionally <laughs> but we're, we're, mm. we're kind of the tortoise versus the hare mm. we're kind of a bit boring fairly slow economy but we're mm. steady hey, that's a great place to live <laughs> that's a great place to live but but you know we're not and house prices are more affordable than they were two years ago too what could get, yeah. get better <laughs> and, and look at the end of the day we produce food and, yeah. and, and you Pricing. know, there's mm. a bunch of other stuff, but it's a pretty stable, pretty stable economy. Um, but, you know, yeah, weaker, weaker, weaker global economy, you can, you can sort of start to see that coming through. Um, you know, even the Reserve Bank's referencing it now in terms of inflation expectations in mm. the OCR. Mm. Um, you know, how do people prepare for that? Or are we already prepared? Because I guess, look, you know, as Kiwis, we've kind of been talking about this for about a year, year and a half now. Mm. I mean, we got that shockwave from the Reserve Bank last year, 
in November, I think it yep. was, when yep. Adrian came out and said, right, I'm going to take the country into a recession. Yep. <laughs> and, and he did. And he did. <laughs> it was only just the yeah. technical yeah. recession, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? It just reinforces the economy is pretty slow. And, and I guess back to interest rates and the OCR sort of on hold for the first time in almost two years. You know, we've finished the tightening cycle. I think there's fairly clear signs, unless there's an extraordinary event. Um, which you can't see. No, which you can't see. I mean, you, you sort of almost look at what could happen in, in Russia, U, Ukraine, to, to cause a massive, you know, you'd almost think, you know, the atomic button being pushed or something. That's, you know, that's, that's sort of what, what sort of is in my mind. If you, if you sort of had Russia withdraw from the Ukraine, I think that's probably positive for the global economy. But again, it will take ages to flow through. So, um, yeah, so interest rates... 5.5% for the OCR. Now the swap rate, the two-year rate, swap rate, which is the rate that banks use off which to set their two-year mortgage rate, immediately after the last OCR move, which remember that was about six weeks ago now, so that time the market expected the Reserve Bank to rise the rate half yep. a percent. Yep. In fact, they rose at 25 increased a quarter percent and said some people voted against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that shocked the market. So at that time we had interest rates for two-year swaps at 5.2. It started this week there at 5.75. What the heck was going on there? Or is still going on? Because I think they've come down a bit, but there's still about 5.6 this morning. I don't know what they'll be later today, but what the heck's going on? Why were interest rates up half a percent when nothing seems to have changed? Yeah, I, you know, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, I mean, when we used to work in Treasury, you, you, you'd kind of look through the, the data. I think there's a real supply demand thing that occurs in the swap market like right. i've noticed um so swaps obviously being how banks hedge um their fixed rate mortgage book yeah so it's so a wholesale interest rates so um you know it's really interesting because it, it, you've got buyers and sellers in that market mm. and um so obviously um and as far as consumers are going they're they're fixing the mortgage mm -hmm. and so if they're fixing it so let's say they're fixing for two years then the bank needs to go and sell that fixed rate into the market because the bank can't take the risk. Yeah, so that pushes supply and demand, pushes the rate up. And so if there it, are no buyers. So who would be the buyers on the other side then? Investors, right? Investors. So, so globally or domestic? Domestic or and global, yeah. and it would be. You know, I, so people I, that think the interest rate's going to fall are the investors, I suppose, and the yeah. banks, whatever view they've got, they've got to hedge their risk. They don't take interest rate risk, right? Is it, well, they do in the States. Yeah, unlike, unlike Silicon Valley Bank, but as we know, you know, two, you know, one billion dollar banks right, in New Zealand do better than Silicon Valley, yeah. Valley Bank did. Um, so but, so yeah. I, think, I think what happens is, um, you know, you've got to remember that the, the, the residential mortgage market's absolutely massive. So, you know, what, 350 billion, probably more than mm. that now. Mm. Um, 90% fixed rate. 90% of it's fixed rate, um, most of it for a year. So, so in any year, there must be 150 billion yeah. rolling over. So the banks are sort of using the swaps to hedge that. And if there's no one on the other side for a period of time, then swap rates will go up. And I guess we've seen in other markets like the US, Australia, they're now all pricing more hikes, whereas for a while there was a view that they'd be on hold or at the peak, whereas now the markets are pricing rates up there. So do you think that's what's happening? The, the sentiment from the other markets like the US, Australia, is flowing through into our rates, even if it's not logical when you read what the Reserve Bank just wrote. Yeah. So implication is those rates must come down because you can't sort of... Have, have rates above where interest rates actually end up because ultimately a swap rate reflects the expectation of future interest rates.
our view is clearly that swap rates are, are too high and that they need to come back. And I think you'll see a pretty fast reduction in swap rates off the back of the Reserve um, Bank OCR announcement. Um, you know, the interesting thing will be whether or not the banks pass that uh, back to uh, borrowers. You know, yeah. we've seen. Yeah, so totally do you reckon right. they will? Well, I don't think they will because, look, I mean, we saw two rate hikes from the banks over the last two or three weeks of swap rates went up. I, I'm doubtful that they'll pass that back to borrowers on the way down. I think they'll take the extra margin. And, and the reason for that is, uh, you know, the housing market's quite slow at the moment. There's there's no volume growth for the banks. So, you know, I think uh, there's no point competing too hard and they'll take the extra margin. Okay, so looking out maybe six months, materially lower home loan rates, do you think? I don't think so. I think that the long-term really? rates will be a little bit more receptive because, um, look, there's not volume out there. So the banks are much more happy to compete, uh, you know, and, and lower rates on some of those longer-term fixed rates. And we've seen that in the in the last few months, right? Um, they'll, they'll compete out there and, and we might see rates fall at the lo long end. Um, but at the short end, where all the volume is, because everyone's fixing for a year, I think they're going to be very reluctant to compete. Yeah, well, I've got personally got some home loans that are coming up and holding off as long as possible. But yeah, my, you know, for me, I'm sort of looking at six months, actually, because, you know, I think as we start to see those inflation numbers come down materially as the year progresses, uh, the market will start, the wholesale markets will start to price that expectation of interest rate falls. Ironically, today, they're still pricing expectation of interest rate rises. So, you know, when that market set of sentiment flips and the global market sentiment sort of flicks, um, I think it will flow flow through. So, you know, it may be a little time, but um, we're at the top of the cycle almost certainly, aren't we? Oh, we're definitely at the top of a cycle. I think what you're going to see is you're going to see the long-term rates drop quite a bit um, well before the Reserve Bank kind of, um, you know, is ready to lower the OCR. I think wholesale markets will be anticipating it well before the RBNZ signals anything. And and it will be quite possible that we're going to end up with a very inverted curve, which means, you know, long-term rates way lower than short-term rates. And I think that could get really inverted um, simply because the Reserve Bank is just going to sort of hold on as long as it can. Um, so you could see, you could, for example, see a two-year rate sort of um, below six with yeah. your one-year rate still up sort of around 7%, which, you know, mm. I can't recall seeing the curve that inverted before. But look, it wouldn't surprise me that the, the banks will try and hold that one-year rate up as long as they can. Mm. Okay, well, time will tell. We'll try and keep them honest, JB. <laughs> we'll try. Uh, but that's us for another week. Um, we'll catch you next week. See ya. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.